Uh, just a quick announcement. We are going to be uh, doing the TED Talk with Heather Jackson first, uh, and then thereafter we'll do the private equity panel discussion. Uh, so Heather Jackson is from Ashburton Investments, and she'll be doing a TED Talk on sustainable finance and impact investing. Thanks, Heather. If you can start. Thank you. Thanks, Heidi. Good morning, everybody. I'm very pleased to be with you here. And um, I want to talk to you today about specifically around impact investing um, and how this is a vehicle for investing more sustainably for our future um, and how I hope to inspire you, um, as I think Shane did earlier, to really start looking at how you might um, include impact investing strategies in overall investment strategies. Um, so I've titled um, the presentation from the tip of the iceberg, which is where we are now with impact investing in the broader context of the investment world, um, to arriving at that tipping point, that sort of magic 10% tipping point level for impact investing. I think one of the best ways that I've ever come across to actually really describe impact investing, which is the combination of financial returns, unsacrificed financial returns, but with the additional aspect of achieving high social or environmental impact. And the best way is from um, our wonderful Madiba, who said, a good head and a good heart is a formidable combination. And that's really what we strive to do as impact investors. Um, Okay, so the global context for impact investing actually has a great backdrop because globally uh, the world is pretty united around achieving the uh, Sustainable Development Goals out to 2030. And the thing about the Sustainable Development Goals is that to date we've tended to have this kind of bipolar approach in the world where government and philanthropies must provide all social good um, and investors and private sector must get on with making money. Um, and given the scale of the global challenges that we face, that strategy is just not going to help us feed, clothe, house our population going forward, even the existing population. It's not going to mitigate the very severe climate risks um, that, that we face. Um, and it's estimated that $2.5 trillion per annum is needed to fill the gaps that have been identified in terms of reaching those sustainable development goals. And of course, most of those goals need to be met in developing countries like our own. So Africa is by far the biggest destination for that. About $1.5 trillion of that per annum is estimated to be needed in, in Africa itself. So if we have a look at where is impact investing in this context currently, it's also woefully inadequate. Um, GIN, which is a very optimistic es estimate, puts total impact investments across the world at a, just over $500 billion. Um, interesting context to that, though, is that if you look at the latest um, estimate by the IFC, overall global private assets sit at around $270 trillion. Um, and so it's not even, impact is not even the tip of the iceberg, it's the tip of the tip of the iceberg um, in this context, but also, of course, um, gives you hope that there, with you know, additional strategies like CRF is doing and, and hopefully other pension funds, globally certainly we've seen dramatic growth in terms of allocations to impact investing. Um, there's certainly a, a very big reservoir of funds to draw from for these kinds of strategies. I just want to be quite clear with you what impact investing um, is, um, because I'm sure for many of you it's not a, a particularly familiar term. 
And so unlike yourselves, who are mostly actuaries, um, I'm an economist by training, and so this is kind of the way that I understand the impact world. And what you have here is on your y-axis, you have the normal kind of risk-return parameters that, that we are accustomed to when we're looking at making investment decisions or designing investment portfolios. What impact investing does is it adds an additional dimension, which is the x-axis, which is a targeted social impact or environmental return. Okay, and I'm not sure is there a pointer on this. Um, let me just talk to it rather to be safe. So if you are a traditional equity, fixed income, property investor, you will be targeting returns in the top left-hand quadrant. So maximizing your financial return above a certain threshold, right? And that's the majority of where assets sit. Typically, in the impact world, we focus on philanthropy, which says zero financial return, but I'm going to maximize my social and environmental returns, and that's the furthest right-hand quadrant over there, philanthropy, high impact. Impact says, why on earth can't we do both? Um, it's possible. Track records bear that out. There's not an inherent trade-off. And, and I hope if there's one thing that I can convey to you, um, it's that point, that there is not an inherent trade-off between risk and return in the space. I think some of Shainel's um, statistics bore that out too. Um, but what we try to do is optimize for both financial return and impact return. So we occupy that top right-hand quadrant. We are financial first. Um, we understand our fiduciary duty to our investor base, um, but we do also very explicitly target impact returns. So let me just uh, spell out a little bit more, because this is also integral to a kind of uh, magic secret source, if you like, that impact investors can tap into globally. And that is aligned to meeting these uh, sustainable development goals. So you've got all 17 there. And then um, what Business South Africa has done is neatly mapped those to our own national development plan, which, of course, is also out to 2030. Um, so you see the top categories across equality, economic infrastructure, education, health, environment, peace, and justice um, are all the subgroups for our national development plan. And each and every SDG maps very nicely under, underneath those. And so it's a wonderful um, global uh, drive and framework for imp implementing uh, impact strategies. And what it really means as impact investors is if we are aligned to these social impact targets or environmental impact targets, um, then we are, for want of a better word, able to extract great benefits from some of these big global governments, um, development finance institutions, donor organizations, and, and the like. Because by aligning our impact criteria, um, we're able to draw in mechanisms like, like a guarantee, um, insurance. Um, there are various mechanisms that one, one, is, one is able to build into portfolios that can mitigate the risk perception. So what I want to um, give you a taste of is uh, one of our strategies, which in South Africa we know, um, I think, the unemployment, poverty, inequality crisis is by far the biggest one that we face. And so um, our recent funds have targeted job creation as the, of course, other metrics as well, but principally job creation um, as the social impact outcome for our funds. Um, what we've done is used a concept which is... Um, again, also really been growing globally um, in the context of meeting the SDGs, and that is this notion of blended finance. So blended finance is the use of strategic public investment 
um, combined with private investment to create superior product. Um, for investors, so to make that product um, or, and the, the target areas of investment more attractive, less risky um, to the investor base, um, and it's it's a it's a global phenomenon. We have many of those um, public, strategic public investment um, operators in um, in our economy across Africa, the likes of USAID, DFID, which is the UK one, FMO, the Dutch, the Scandinavian. Um, China, you know, th th there's a plethora um, of these very big global organizations that want to partner with private sector as long as they're aligned to meeting the SDGs. Um, so hopefully inspiration for anyone in the room as well um, looking to, to develop product. <clears throat> so what we've specifically done um, for two funds, uh, both approaching a billion rand each, is to partner with our National Treasury's Jobs Fund program. We first partnered with them back in 2014 um, with an explicit objective of creating jobs. Um, and what we like to think of is, you know, impact investing is, is sorry, I like to walk around. So, impact investing by its nature is incredibly collaborative. Um, so we partner with uh, the jobs fund at the bottom who provide our portfolio with a guarantee, a first loss um, portfolio guarantee at zero cost, I have to say. The catch is you as taxpayers, but hopefully I'll, I'll justify that to some extent in terms of the outcomes, but, but we all pay for this. Um, and then that underpins the fund, the Ashburton Credit Enhanced Funds. I see Naleni has been very diligent and has put some brochures on your desks. Sorry about that. Um, and then institutional investors, um, you know, are persuaded to um, invest in the fund. Um, we, in turn, invest in intermediaries. I'm very happy to field questions, by the way, or, or um, conversation over lunch further, because I'm giving you a very high-level overview. But those companies that we invest in, how do they create jobs? Um, they're all in expansion sectors of our economy. Um, typically, we're disintermediating the big financial um, providers or, or service providers. Um, and the kinds of intermediaries that we are supporting are well-established companies, at least a five-year track record, but they themselves are expanding because they are generally meeting unserviced needs and demands in the economy, um, and those are then net job creating. Um, and they're all sustainable, decent jobs that we're creating. I'm sure as actuaries you want to um, see some of the numbers, um, so I'll, I'll cover the impact first. Um, we were set with a target of 9,635 jobs to create for Fund 1. Uh, we continue, of course, because this is an evergreen fund, we continue to create jobs um, on an ongoing basis. And um, I hope you can see those numbers. But we've exceeded um, our target. Currently, the fund has produced um, in excess of 10,000 jobs. I think really importantly, those jobs have also been in underserviced areas in our, in our country, in underserviced provinces, um, Eastern Cape, Limpopo, and Northwest, are the majority of where those jobs have been created. They um, are certainly um, reaching uh, previously disadvantaged people, about 97%, as well as um, women, 88% of all jobs created are, are to, to women. Um, just to continue with the impact, and again, I've, yes, of course. Sorry, on the previous slide. Sure. I hope I can go backwards. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Oh, sorry, I, yes, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. I forgot to, to cover that. Um, 
so and that's kind of my allusion to taxpayer um, and efficiencies is that Jobs Fund on their website um, currently state that the average cost per job is around 30,000. It's come down. Um, sometimes it's 40, <laughs> but it's 30. Our cost per job is 7,500. And so, of course, it's more efficient um, than, the, than the average cost. The reason for that and the way we calculate it is to say how much was the grant, which was around 70 million, and how much have we um, raised because um, we leveraged that 10 times, um, and it's subsequently grown, of course, um, and, and working out how many jobs we've created um, for that given amount, how much per, per grant, how, what is the cost um, per job from the grant, not from the overall fund, of course, because um, I'm happy to, to um, go through the mechanics with you, but it's a matched funding principle. Um, so yes, so so pretty pretty I would argue pretty relatively efficient use of taxpayer money. Um, as I mentioned, these jobs have to be long-term, sustainable, and decent jobs. Um, jobs Fund holds us to a very high level of account, and we participated in um, a random sampling methodology to verify these jobs, either through loan agreements or through uh, salary. Um, slips or the like, or, or, or um, acceptable proxies, um, and with the 95% confidence uh, interval um, and, a, and a larger, more than double um, sample size than, than was uh, required, um, you know, we, we're very confident that, um, over 95% confident that um, these jobs are, are sustainable and, um, and, and decent jobs. Performance-wise, also, um, you know, gratifyingly, yes. Sorry, what defines sustainable? So sustainable um, means that we have the job has to be because we make a loan, right? Oops, sorry, and and all of our underlying investments are um, are loans, so unlisted uh, debt instruments, and from the date that we make the loan to the recipient company, we need between a six to a twelve month, depending, a six to twelve month uh, period to have elapsed before we can start counting jobs. So they have to have been evidenced from the time that we actually made the loan, and we and, and we need to show that they have existed for at least six to 12 months, and then they need to be above minimum wage, um, and, 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 and then we, f we follow up on that. <clears throat> Believe me, our National Treasury is superb in this measurement and evaluation. Um, I mean, they really do hold us to a very high level of account, which, which is important. Um, in terms of the performance, so most of our loans, they're all senior, um, and, and, and most of them are secured or collateralized. Um, and the performance, you know, has been very consistent. Um, I think you saw it again in, in one of Shannel's uh, slides. Um, so our benchmark is CPI plus three, which is the dark blue bars, um, and um, we've very comfortably e exceeded that over every uh, measurement period. Um, the fund was up and running from uh, early February of 2015. So. There's absolutely no need to sacrifice returns and, and, and achieve high impact. So how do we get to this tipping point? Um, this, is, this is our evangelical crusade, if you like, um, because I just believe in a country like this, um, we can and should be so much more creative and, and, and really looking at ways of how do we deploy more of our considerable savings. We're richly endowed with, with savings um, in South Africa. And, um, you know, shouldn't we be finding more ways um, to making these kinds of, um, developing these kinds of strategies and investments? 
So one of the things that I believe the um, guarantee has, has done is really shifted risk perceptions. Interestingly, in our own fund, we conducted an independent survey, actually two, um, and one of the earlier ones, um, <clears throat> the top graph was the surveys of investors before they had actually experienced being invested in the fund, and they were asked if they believed that impact investments were inherently risky or highly risky. Um, and then about two years into investing, they were asked the same question. And you can see the shift that in the first survey, um, a third strongly agreed that these investments were inherently risky, hence the need for the guarantee. Um, and almost two years out, that had entirely shifted to the left with a third agreeing, um, or sorry, neutral, um, and then disagreeing or strongly disagreeing with the rest of the camps. It's obviously a small survey, um, but it's exactly what we're trying to achieve, is to shift that experience so that you ultimately don't need the guarantee or you need a guarantee in genuinely riskier assets, um, which we don't actually believe ours really are. Um, so... Again, just very quickly, just to give you a flavor of what we're trying to achieve here. So impact investing is really about marrying these two disparate worlds. We've got a highly sophisticated, and I mean, if um, I've said it before, but if I was sitting on Mars and I was looking in, in the world and going, where would you like to be an impact investor? Well, this is a pretty damn good place to be an impact investor because you have this very sophisticated financial, legal, okay, accounting's dropped a few notches, but actuarial valuations, I mean, it's highly sophisticated. Um, what, you know, the, the kind of, that infrastructure that we have to deal with, particularly in the alternative space where legal contracting and, and those kind of trust areas are really important. And then, of course, we face that upside-down world over there too, which um, is just, you know, full of, of challenges, yes, but also opportunity. Do you know that by the turn of the century, 13 of the top 20 cities in the world are going to be in Africa? Anybody know how many we currently have in that top 20 position? Two. Lagos and, and Cairo. So, yes, we can see that as a, as a challenge, but it's also an enormous um, dividend opportunity. Um, and there are companies that are, that are meeting those kinds of huge um, demands. We look at what's happened in Southeast Asia. Yes, we've got challenges, but we've also got opportunities. And I think as impact investors, we want to build on those opportunities and, and funnel uh, funding into growing, growing that, because then we get into a more virtuous cycle, I believe. And so SA Taxi is, is one example. I love this one because, of course, I'm part of the first strand group. Um, and SA Taxi is an amazing company that lends to taxi owners, ta um, who, and they finance those taxi owners as businesses. Do you know that the vast majority, 80-90% of taxi owners have been rejected by Westbank? one of our sister companies, or similar. Um, and yet SA Taxi takes that on. And that's, again, just upending that whole risk perception and saying, we're not financing a vehicle here, guys. We're actually financing a taxi route. This is a business. And it's highly regulated, despite the frustrations we may experience as drivers on our roads. Uh, the taxi industry is a solid business proposition. And um, SA Taxi, part of Transaction Capital, have done phenomenally well with this model and innovated and innovated, but we haven't got time to go into that. But it's this kind of company that we invest in, into um, and, and many others like this. Some you will have heard of, some, some you won't have heard of. And so what 
you know, I'm always curious to know what, what makes for a good impact investment strategy, what defines good impact investors, and, um, in, in, you know, in challenging our own growth. Unfortunately, there's been quite a comprehensive study, which I found very interesting, which says, what is different about an impact investor? And they categorized four key areas that they regard as being integral um, to, their, to successful impact investors. Uh, one is partnership with the public sector. Um, because you can and because it's opportunistic um, and it, it yields um, enhancements for the products or strategies that you develop. The other is the use of catalytic capital in some form or another. We've used guarantees to date, but there are many others, um, should you be interested, um, to, that, you know, that, that, that you can use. Outcomes-based opportunities, insurance, as I, I mentioned, first, last. Um, there, there are a number of ways of using strategic public sector participation. Multilingual leadership is a bit of a funny one, but it really just speaks to that collaboration that I spoke of, which is working with inherently quite different partners. Um, we originally partnered with an NGO um, to implement our strategies. It's working across NGO, government, private, different parts of private, different network organizations. Um, and finally, having been very explicit about targeting both financial and impact together, not one less than the other. Um, so, I again, and I'm doing this as, as a, um, I'm, I'm a part-time part -time student again, um, and so this is the area that fascinates me, looking at guarantees have been found by the Global Impact Investing Network to be highly effective, but not much in use, so underutilized. Um, and looking at this blended finance um, field, I think there is, especially in an economy in a, in, a, in a finance world like ours, there's so much more upside potential um, to, to partnering. And, and specifically, I mean, we found that guarantees have been relatively easy to execute, very effective, um, and very efficient for public use of funds, again, because you're not necessarily using them. If you look at USAID's DCA program, for example, which grants guarantees since the 1970s, their actual utilization rate is around 25 2.6% on average, and through cycles. Um, so very efficient for public sector as well. And so finally, um, I leave you with the thought that we all have pension funds. Uh, we would all like to retire comfortably one day, but we also need a a decent, a good society, a good environment to retire to. Um, one of the things that I find, it's not a, it's not a judgment, but it, it's a statistic, that um, across South Africa's um, JSE, almost two-thirds of revenue is derived from offshore. And so my appeal is that that's not necessarily having a direct positive impact the way it could on, on our local economy. Um, and <clears throat> for me, again, impact investing is a way of actually investing much more intentionally into our real economy for that kind of inclusive growth that we know we need, because it's no good if we retire with a big pile of money um, <laughs> to this kind of wasteland scenario. So um, I hope that uh, you are somewhat inspired to, to, to engage with impact strategies, and I'm really happy to um, talk with you. I'll, I'll be here you know, during lunch, and thank you.